Welcome back to The Traveling Teacher, brought to you by mushrooms. Mushrooms, you ask? You'll find out soon enough when our very first science teacher talks to you about the importance of mushrooms in changing the world. This was one of my favorite podcasts to record. We had so much fun, as you'll hear in just a moment. And we really dove into a variety of topics that really got to the heart of our educational world. I hope you enjoy. I'm so excited to be here today in Bali with Lo. Would you like to say hi to the podcast? Hello, podcast. I'm lying down on the couch in the very therapeutic sense, um, whereas you're the interviewer, your host, is sitting in a chair and we're going we're gonna to break down some barriers and unleash some things. Let's do this. Oh, I love <laughs> it. So I'll, let's jump in a little warm-up question here. Uh, I'm curious about, you know, we are in Bali after all, and I'm wondering what, you know, you would really suggest after living here for almost three years for our, our listeners today. Um, so for like people to come and visit, yeah. if they were to come visit, the first thing I would say you have to do in Bali is get off the island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, okay. Tell me more about uh, that. Yeah. First thing, just get off the island. Go to Lombok. Lombok is beautiful. And I think the best way to describe it would be Bali, maybe like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as built up. And uh, I went over there and I assisted with like a coral transplant. That was wow. mind blowing. Oh, like, how did you do that? That's I, I just ran it. Like we met some people. Uh, we we know these people, but they knew a lady there, uh-huh. and they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna go like do some really cool environmental stuff. Want to go? Uh, yeah. yeah, right." And so next thing I know, I'm snorkeling, and everybody else, like other people are scuba diving, people are snorkeling, and they're doing coral transplants. Uh, it was like what? But uh, other than that, I mean. It's just, it's a nice little quiet island. Um, and then you've got a Nusa Panita where they have manta rays that jump out of the water. And there's this really cool beach called uh, Crystal Beach. And you put your little gear on for snorkeling. And I'd say you maybe do like four or five swim strokes out into the water, look down coral everywhere. And then there's a little rock island about, I'd say, 500 meters away that you could just swim to. Oof, it, it's, it, it's unreal. Unreal. Because, like, around Bali, there is cool Ahmed. There's uh-huh. a, a sunken Japanese warship. Whoa. And it's, it's not even a sandy beach. It's a rocky beach. Mm-hmm. And you just walk out and you go into the water. And when you're about thigh deep... All you have to do is just go and lay out in the water, look, and the boat's right there. I see it from there. It's right there. Wow, so I've seen some of those like scuba diving, but not from the shore like that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's so cool. Wow. So okay. yeah, that those are some 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 things about coming down to this area. I'm going to Roger Ampas, so I guess I'm getting off the Oof. island tomorrow. I'm jealous. Excited about that, but I'm just gonna miss you. But uh, but yeah, alas, alas. This is a little bit of a different type of uh, interview, too, because you're an expat and you're teaching uh, abroad rather than being from Bali. So I guess I'm just curious about, about that experience for you. What's it like being uh, um, a teacher in Bali? 
Yeah, being a teacher in Bali, um, well, one thing being a teacher abroad is mm-hmm. so different. When you leave America, mm-hmm. there's a totally different mental shift around who a teacher is and what a teacher does and what they mean to the general public. Um, when I got to, I've taught in a few different countries and everywhere I went, you get a certain level of recognition for being a teacher that I never really felt back in the States. Uh, a lot of people are like, well, you know, you chose to be a teacher, so that's your fault. <laughs> Whereas when you're... <laughs> I hate that. I also... Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> whereas when you're not in America and people are like, oh, you're a teacher? Oh. It's like a different, oh, and eyes widen. And people are like, you know, they greet you differently. It's absolutely amazing. Um, And so being a teacher here, it's really cool because the word teacher here is guru. Mm. So it sounds way cooler than like, oh, guru, guru. Like, I am am a guru. (laughs) That's that's only the reason why I grew like this. (laughs) Okay, right. They said guru, and it was like, poof. <laughs> what? Grace yeah. too, oh right? man, oh man, that's only going to be the icing on the cake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder how can you uh, like pinpoint like exactly maybe the difference in why um, the level of respect is is uh, like you know abroad rather than in the states. Uh, I think really it's because teaching is a very sought after job overseas mm-hmm. because they understand the importance of education. Yeah, and they get that. When you educate and you have something to give mm-hmm. and that the next generation can take that and expand on it, especially in Southeast Asia, a lot of these countries that are developing, look mm-hmm. at Singapore. Oh, yeah. Like it really mm-hmm. wasn't much of anything and it exploded with development. And one of the things that they do there is they educate, they bring top quality educators in mm-hmm. and then their, their students have availability to go out into the world, yeah. get educated, and bring what they know back to Singapore. And because of that high level of, a, of focus and attention on education, they realize the strength of it. Mm-hmm. And then all that does is drive innovation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to a water treatment facility there, and you think, oh, okay, yeah, they treat water. No, they treat water. They got sophisticated uh, equipment to clean water for the sole purpose of exporting it to countries that work in development of computers and IT because you need clean water when you're making computers and cell phones and computer chips and all of that. And also, they clean water for water features. Mm-hmm. So when you're walking through this treatment plant, you look down at the floor, you've got LED lights and you've got this system of water jets shooting through. That water is cleaner than most water you drink in America and they don't even drink it because it doesn't meet their standards. And that's public water that comes out of the tap that they clean. It's Don't get me started about water. That's like one of the most frustrating things to me in oh, the world about how we, I mean, just pollute our streams and then and then the plastic industry can further yeah. pollutes it and forces you to buy these plastic like most Steph said most Steph has a track new world water and he mm-hmm. says that these are the same type of cats who will pollute the whole shoreline then will purify and sell it for a dollar twenty five 
True. It used to be free. Now it costs you a mm-hmm. fee because it's all about getting that cash money. Like, it's so crazy what water means to all of us. And, yes. and, right. I, and I'll, 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 I'm going to remember that because I've got something for that for one of the other topics that we've discussed later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I love it. I, already, like, we haven't even talked about what you do, but I think everybody knows, right? The well, everybody science, here knows. Right? Everybody, everybody here knows. knows. They're like, oh, yeah, we know exactly what yeah. he's up to. Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's, let's talk about the school then. Let's dive in there because right. I think something that's uh, so fascinating about the green school in which you work at yeah. is, uh, you know, I don't think too many people really know about it in the States, at least, even though it is such a, I think, groundbreaking idea in school. And so I wonder if you could share your experience and what the green school is all about. All right. Well, yeah, when I first got introduced to the Green School, it was uh, through my amazing wife. She mm-hmm. told me about it, and I was just like, that doesn't, that's, not, that's not a real thing. And then she was like, okay, well, here's the TED Talk from the founder of the school. And I was like, I listened to it and was like, there's no way that this is a real thing. Like, because it sounds too cool. Mm-hmm. I was getting to a point in my career when, you know, I got jaded and I was tired and I was done. Because I was teaching, I was teaching math and physics and science, and yeah. I'm just like, what is the point? Why do I need to teach children the Doppler effect? Like, it'll be fun. I can teach it. It'll, they'll learn it and understand it. But to what extent is this actually useful for everyday people? Um, like creating a better future for these students and giving exactly. them the tools they need to really be able to be successful. Right, because everybody has particular problems. Yeah. And so what problem am I helping to solve? Um, Dead Prez, Day Schools, great song, talks mm-hmm. about that. So I was sitting there thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how can I cross something over? How can I do something that matters? And then all of a sudden she's telling me about this school and then... You know, when I get when we get here and I see it and I interact with it, it's a school of that really focuses on sustainability and what you are able to do with education. So instantly, I'm it's super intrigued. I want to know more. I need to know more. Yeah. I want to be in classes. I, yeah. I want to know what's going on over here. We have an innovation hub that has 3D printers. Mm. And it's like, okay, what can I do? I don't know what to do with a 3D printer, but now I have access to mm-hmm. one. So basically it's, what do you want to do? Right. Huh? And th- that's how I met it. And I was able to get a job there after my wife got the job there. And, you know, I went into the regular things of teaching classes, but there was this one class that really was frustrating to me. And it was called thematics. And it wasn't explained well to me. It was explained well to other people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, not to say that they sat down and told people something that they didn't tell me. It's just, you know, I can exactly. tell you one thing and somebody else sitting right next to you can hear it and go, oh. Yeah. Right. So now I totally understand it. Thematics is basically a class where I'm giving you a sustainable development goal, which mm-hmm. are developed by the United Nations in an effort to really tackle problems in society. Yeah. Poverty, violence, gender equality, uh, responsible production and consumerism, life on land. There's like a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I can think of, there are 15 I know of, but there might be more. I, yeah, 
I believe it's something. I think you were on the number. I think it was fifteen or sixteen. But yeah. Yeah, and so um, you take one of those and then you build a project around that, and that's okay. essentially the class. Mm-hmm. And. I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know how to really approach a class like this. But now, oh, now, I've figured that out. Oh, tell me. This sounds beautiful. So, so now what I'm doing is I'm taking my love of science. Yes. And I'm taking my love of math. And I'm taking this amazing love of mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And I am combining it into something where I'm going to have students engaging and learning about how mushrooms grow the mush not just the mushroom because the mushroom is a fruiting body and that's the smallest form Mm -hmm. of that that's it's like it's like a an apple to a tree whereas we're looking at the whole but you don't see the whole structure of you don't see the roots and everything that right. goes into making that mushroom. Right, because the root structure is called mycelium, and that lives underground. Mm-hmm. And that is what makes mushrooms so amazing, because the mycelium are able to do so many amazing things. I mean, you just Paul Stamens, um is one guy who comes to mind who knows a lot. There's other people who are so done so much contributory work to mushrooms and our understandings of it and just I mean it's fantastic what these yeah. things could do. Well, so tell me how are your students gonna be involved in Well we're going to we're gonna grow them yeah. in different environments and we're going to grow ones that we can eat and we're going to grow some that we can use for other processes like you can make bricks out of the mycelium. Wow. And then you can make structures or you can make you can even make like a fabric like a leather like material out of the mycelium and we're going to experiment with that as well and it grows relatively quickly the species that i'm looking for it's Mm -hmm. a reishi mushroom um and i've done a lot of research to figure out what is happening in the industry and there's so much happening and i want to make sure that the students especially the local indonesian students have these tools mm-hmm. that way they can solve problems in right here on the ground and it prepares them for an emerging uh, industry that, that's coming up. There are a couple of companies around the world who are doing some really cool things with mushrooms, but if you don't know about it, you can't be prepared for it. Right. So I want to make sure that I can help these students be prepared and if one of my students does something with this, then of course you come to Bali and it's, well, you know, I'm vegan and I really want a leather bag, but I don't want it to have all the conflict. But now there's this mushroom vegan leather and it's durable, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Come on. Made in Bali. uh, the listeners, the yeah. listeners are like, I'm, and I'm booking a flight. Right, I'm booking a flight. <laughs> is there a way I can buy this online already? And your students, right, would be able to make this and then be able to produce it. Exactly, and that's that's the ultimate goal. Um, because then it, it gives them something that it's an alternative form for them to do something that doesn't tax the environment, mm-hmm. and you can grow this to whatever size you want. 
Um, and there are companies that are doing this, and they probably don't want me saying what I'm saying right now, but I've done my research mm -hmm. to figure it out. Yeah, and so, but thank you so much for inspiring me, all of those places. Yeah. But now, now that when I learn, I have to share. Yeah, that's the teacher's model. Exactly, right? exactly. We have to always give back and make sure that yeah. we're spreading that knowledge as much as we could. And yeah. I'm going to be incorporating art, mm -hmm. because obviously... Uh, yeah. Mathematics through geometry because making different uh, shapes and forms and mm -hmm. things out of this stuff. Uh, literacy by documenting. So you're, I'm taking all of these different things and I'm crossing it all over. And I think that's really where the future of education really has to go because yeah. it has to be interdisciplinary. I mean, you know, you're just a, there's a spider that just came in the house. Oh, yeah. Welcome um, to the nation. Yep. And so there's so many different ways that we learn and yeah okay you know math but you know more than math as a teacher how can you take that and blend it with this over here because I can I know how to graph a line and find the slope and all of that but where am I using that and so when we look at what are we going to be able to do in education across mm -hmm. the board is really break out of that. Yeah. And I know it's difficult in public schools, but you can do it mm -hmm. because you can find something that you're interested in. Like say, for example, you are really interested in coral, coral yeah. reef, and you want to know, well, how can I use math with coral systems? Mm -hmm. Well, not even, not just, plotting and charting growth rates, but also you're a, you can create and build these structures that the, the, the larval state of coral can actually attach and grow on. And you can use math and find how much ways to... How can you break it up in fractions? Exactly. And so then you can do all of these things yeah. in conjunction with, and you can teach classes on it. Now, maybe you live in a landlocked state and... That's not something that you could actually work on. But you have other passions. You have, yes, yes. there's something that you can do. Literacy and science have all the crossovers. Uh, I yeah. mean, there's an entire genre of writing called science fiction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and you can, you play on that. Yeah, I mean, so many of our innovations in our world have come from these creative minds, right, who are thinking outside the box, thinking of ways in which they can create these new worlds, mm -hmm. right? And then, yeah. right, right. the scientists to pick it up from there. And you can still right. hit those learning objectives. Like right now, I have, to, for my science objective that I would typically be teaching about doing this project class, I have to teach about soil. Yeah. Well, mushrooms can clean soil. Mm -hmm. And they also produce a, an extra hummus layer for soils mm -hmm. as they break down organic matter and material and it just increases it and makes it more fertile so just that right there and then when the mushroom has inoculated in the soil it helps for retention mm -hmm. and then it helps to feed into trees and so it, the trees don't need all that water it stays there but it also provides this this layer which actually reduces flammability of the yeah. forest environment itself which is a very relevant topic so for relevant. Australia California and Everywhere else that places are becoming dry, though our farming practices and the way that yes. we do things are absolutely terrible. Mm -hmm. But if we're able to incorporate mushroom mycelium for whatever environment that you're in, you need to do some research. You can actually 
start working in a way that could affect pivotal change mm-hmm. for the good. That's phenomenal. And I love that. But I, I, like for me, too, I love science. Right? It's always one of my favorite classes. I'm curious, though, like for you know, some students who you know, may not be as intrigued in science, how are the, like, this still project-based mindset that's going through your class, experiencing this kind of thematic approach, interdisciplinary approach, really still help them as they're leaving well, school. that's great because everybody doesn't have to take my class. My class okay. is an elective in the middle school, okay. which is great. Dang, that's awesome. Right. So we're, this is for middle school kids, and there are other science classes or other classes that incorporate. A teacher has one where he's doing like PE mm-hmm. and incorporating science through PE and other things like that. Science so, and all sorts of things there, yeah. Right. So kids who are more inclined to, into that, they're still going to learn science. Yes. And they can take that and use it in different areas. Some kids won't even like this project stuff, and they just want to take a regular science class, and we still leave that option open to them as well. But you got to be innovative as, as an educational system, and you got to try. Right, always. You have to keep on adapting. Right. I mean, there's, like, one of the major complaints of all my students every year is how much they feel like they're, they're bored. Yeah. Right? They, they are tired of the same old classes that don't allow them to do much but sit and and work. Yeah. And guess what? Any any students who've ever listened to this, mm-hmm. teachers are bored too. Yeah. Teachers are so bored of that. Like I'm so dead. bored. All right, class, we're gonna do chapter three oh, God. again. <laughs> Read pages eighty five to one hundred seventeen and nightmare. answer the review questions. Like no. what? Who wants that? Right. Oh my God. Whoever wants that, you're 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 not the best teacher. I'm, I mean, I, you you probably love the fact that you don't have to do anything. You're not teaching. You're telling children to read a book and then answer the questions in the book that from the information that they're supposed to glean from the book. Why are you there? And then you generate a test from the book. Oh my god. No, that's terrible. I. I love the fact that like your classes is not only just like so engaging for students, but then they also get to leave their mark. Right, whether they're creating this now farmland for the for the mushrooms, yeah, or they're creating some other project that will then remain at that school as an imprint of their time spent there. Right, I think that is like such a, a beautiful thing because I feel like so many students will end the school year and like where did my time go? Right, maybe I wrote some papers, maybe I took some tests, right? But like, what am I actually really taking or remembering from right. this? And one of the big things that I was looking at, because there's a student who's interested in water. Mm-hmm. And I let her know, like, well, there's this paper that I've read where they use my mushroom mycelium through micro-remediation or micro-filtration mm-hmm. to filter water through the mushroom mycelium root structure. And they treated it so that it would be receptive to copper. So they took like dissolved copper ions or whatever and put it in water yeah. and ran it through and the treated mycelium picked up about like 97% of what they put in the water. Wow. And so and they even did this bef- without treating it. It's, it caught, I'd say somewhere around 70% mm-hmm. without being treated. Like it's, these mushrooms are able to do some amazing things because one of the amazing things about that is that you can then take that mycelium, dry it out, burn it, mm-hmm. and what you have left in the ash is 
like whatever metal that you're looking for. And then you can maybe collect a whole bunch of that and have your go to some metal refinery place or whatever. I, I don't know that part. All I know is I read the paper on it and let me let let's you know what's happening. Well, let's dive yeah. into it. Let's find out more about this and see what can come out of it. And so like you get this passion, right? You know what you want to do now. How do you engage your students to join in that? What does like the day look like in the classroom that you're like, you're diving in with them and, and how are they like really leading this project? Well, that is something that remains to be seen because I haven't had a chance to teach it like this yet. I yeah. did teach a class previously where, you know, we came in and it was basically, pro it was project-based mm -hmm. and it was individually driven okay. or groups and whatnot. So we were going in and all I would do is educate them and let them know what it was capable of. And so students started designing projects and we weren't able to go as far as I wanted to. But now this time around, we have more, a little bit more foundational work. Yeah. Like we've built a frame and now we're trying to lay the foundation that way we can actually start moving up and scaling up because there's some things that we need at the school in order to make this become a reality, which then will stay at the school and be able to be used over and over again. That fits the sustainable model that is low energy and is going to help students, young children, get this exposure to such an amazing topic of study that they normally, I never heard of this. No, yeah, this is. A lot of universities don't have mycology programs. Yeah. So a lot of people who are mycologists are self-taught, or they design their own programs mm -hmm. through whatever university that they went to. And so I feel like this is, it's time for this push to happen, because anytime you talk about mushrooms, people are like, oh, are you talking about those mushrooms? Like, listen, yes, those mushrooms have a use but there are so many others yeah. there's a mushroom called beefsteak that yeah. uh, tastes kind of like beef like, yeah. you could turn it into jerky I yeah. had students who made oyster mushroom jerky it was wow. fantastic right you've got um, chicken of the woods and turkey tail that all you process them. all mushrooms all mushrooms and they taste amazing you saute it you know, with a little bit of oil. I mean, you don't eat butter because you're vegan, but if maybe a vegetarian out there. Yeah. You, or you could just cook it up. Uh, yeah. Lion's mane mushroom t has a texture, mm -hmm. kind of like crab meat. Okay. It's right there. And it's it's good for your brain. Yeah. So it's... And the only way to really get the nutrients from mushrooms is to break them down with heat with by heat. cooking them. Interesting. So you can't... Like raw mushrooms... It's not, it's not no, that's not, no, not the same thing. You really want to, because the energy is in their walls. So when you cook it, it releases it. And then when you eat it, you get those benefits. So how can we get more of these type of like, not just like the mushrooms, but like the, your ability to be able to take this kind of passion and then lead a classroom like that? What do we need to have for our schools to allow for that type of teaching? We need the schools to not be afraid. We need principles that are ready to challenge the system and we need a board of education with with teachers on it because mm -hmm. yes. you know that the the board of education and superintendents and all this these people have business backgrounds yeah. these people are lawyers mm -hmm. they've never been in classrooms they, what do they know mm -hmm. but yet they regulate teaching 
Now, regulation doesn't work if you listen to some people, but then they regulate everything else. And you're like, I don't, this is confusing. And one thing that I'm seeing that's like, you know, um, people have learned how to code on their own. Yeah. Uh, So there's that whole thing. And then people are teaching it to their kids, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of homeschools are popping up. And people are creating networks of homeschools. And as long as they're meeting those particular criteria, nobody can say anything to them. And I think that that might be the next change in education because it's not about, at a certain point, it becomes too big to to throw money at Mm -hmm. and to try to rework that whole system. But people are just going to come along and create a system that is going to work better than the current one and then people will just t- walk away from that old archaic system and go to the new one, and that will be it. And we're seeing that with the charter school right. push. Right. right. We're seeing a huge you know, shift away from the public school system. And, but that's something that definitely scares me. Right? You know, I, I think that there's a, you know, a huge social benefit of having free public education that is provided, but right now it's failing our students. Yeah. Right? And so... Yeah, I guess I'm I'm curious about like what is the best way we do that? Do we, you know, do we work on diving in the public school and make that better, or do we need to start allowing for these alternative ways for well, our students to be successful right now in here? It is it is getting into the public schools, but there's just so much that's going on there. Yeah. Um, but again, like if if you could find a way to work with public schools and I don't know what that homeschool network is looking like or mm-hmm. what the cost is of that because I've been away for so long. But it's it seems like we really do need those pushes in public schools. Yeah. I mean, I'm public school educated. Right, you know, so I, I understand that it's the, we could do so much there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was bored in public school, but... There were other teachers who did things that were was fun for their students, and they did other projects. I wasn't really privy to all of it, and in some cases, I was lazy, and I wasn't really trying to look for it. So I can't <laughs> blame, right, I can't blame any of my shortcomings on my teachers. Mm-hmm. My teachers were good teachers. Mm-hmm. I was just a teenager. Yeah. But at least I was able to get a really good education out of it, mm-hmm. you know, um... But I think that we definitely need to do that because right now I'm working at a private school. Yeah. And so it's like the accessibility is the, right? Because I think so many things that you're doing are amazing. Right? Yeah. And how do we make this accessible for the majority of right. the individuals? That's what, that's what we're really trying to figure out. I left America with the mindset of, bye. Yeah. I'm never coming back. I don't care. I'm not going back there. I've spent all my life there. Now it's time for me to go spend my life out in the rest of the world, because the whole planet is is my home. I look at I look at it like your house. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I only want to stay in this bathroom, and I don't ever want to go to any other room in this house. It's the greatest room, I can't. Right. This is it. I have everything I need here. I have my mirror. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I look at the world like I need to go and explore it and see it and live it. But now I've reached a a point within myself where I'm like, I need to let people know who normally would not have access to this kind of information, this yes. kind of stuff. And how do I do that? How do I reach people? And some people say you don't have to go back to America. There's an online presence, which that is true. 
but I'm terrible at that. I don't have an Instagram mm-hmm. because it, I, I, no, it was just, I did the Facebook thing and now we have another thing and then the Instagram and then there's, and there's Twitter and there's, I mean, it's right. evolving. And right. Changing. There's. 15 new social media platforms have opened up since this podcast has started. <laughs> right. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Right. And, and again, like, it's also about like the type of change that you can have online versus actually being in person, I think, is you know, there's a drastic difference there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, but you're teaching abroad. I if any if any teacher has in their contract an option for like a sabbatical mm-hmm. or any sort of work abroad stipulation, I say take full advantage of it. Yeah. If in, within your contract, if you're able to leave your school for X amount of years and then, but you have to go back to your school, leave your school, go teach. Elsewhere, yeah. go to a foreign country because this it is going to open your mind up so much. Man, it's going to open your will blow your mind because in so many ways it really not only like your teaching connection as you mentioned earlier, like what it's like to be a teacher abroad, but also just living in another country. I think you get such a different narrative and perspective on so many just big and little things that happen every single day. Yeah, and not even just like. As a teacher, you always want to do continue education. You want to do some professional development. But nothing's going to really put you into the seat of a learner, like needing to learn the language so you can eat for the day. Like, there's nothing quite like that. Because yeah. then you really realize, man, I don't know anything. With all the education that you have, you know nothing. You've never heard Thai language before, and then you live in that country in a small town where nobody speaks English. You're gonna learn how to say chicken yeah, or vegetables <laughs> really fast. Oh no! It's, I again, I, I've been so fortunate on this this year journey where you, you're you're forced to have to engage and to learn so quickly. And I think it's it's I have just blossomed in so many different ways because of. I've been pushed in these situations, and mm-hmm. you immediately you grow because you it's by necessity. Yeah. And uh, and I think also you're talking about language, that is one of the greatest connectors you can ever have. The more languages you know, the more that you will be able to reach out and communicate with people, and and survive. I mean, the basic yeah. necessities of being able to right. order yourself some food. Right. And with that, you when you learn how to communicate with somebody in a different language, think about what that impact means for your classroom and your students who, mm-hmm. they're, of course, they're speaking a different language because you yeah. spoke a different language when you were a kid to yeah. your elders. And then you can go in and you can try different tactics and techniques. And, you know, I'm always trying to learn whatever they're talking about now. And I don't know what they're talking about. I'm just, meme comedy is a whole new form Huge. That I didn't know about, and then I had to listen and pay attention because I'm old, and I let them know that I'm old, but I don't want to seem old. <laughs> like, uh, do I don't have no idea? Oh, I get the joke! I get the joke! Yes! <laughs> I I did a a little mini unit on memes actually once, and you you want to see joy? 
it, there is something special about having middle school students in this day and age right now making memes about contemporary topics that you're dealing with in the classroom. Yeah. It was fabulous. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, we yeah. have to, though, we have to learn from our students, right? Right. It's reaching out to them and finding out where they are. I mm-hmm. always ask them think questions about, like, what it is that they want to learn from the class. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. Whatever school you're at, ask the students what they want to know. A lot of kids, they were like, I, none of my teachers ever asked me that before. Listen, did you hear what I said? None of my teachers ever asked me what I wanted to learn. Shocking. Like, when you go to university, you get a chance to experience that. Why would you deprive your students of that? Well, they're not ready to think for themselves yet. When, then when are they going to be? Mm-hmm. If you're not trying to equip them for that. When are we going to provide them with the opportunity to really blossom? Yeah. Think for themselves, think creatively, think critically. Those are two green school skills that we teach. Mm. So we teach, we do three circles that intersect. And one is a learning objective, one is the green school skill, and one is a green school value. The skill, like for my class, is adapt. Mm. And adapt is being able to, you know, work on the fly, a shift and if you get when you're presented with new information you're able to accept it and move on you know so adapt as a skill yeah so i'll be teaching that through the adaptability of mushrooms and insects and plants and humans bringing in new information i'm sure exactly exactly think critically is is one that i've i've worked with before like you're given this amount of information and you have to use that information to discern your next steps. How can you think in a critical format so that you can just take this and solve that puzzle to continue to move forward? Mm -hmm. Uh, Think creatively is another one that I did with my students and we made trebuchets. Made what? Trebuchets. What's that? It's a medieval... Weapon. It's not a siege weapon, which one of my students let me know. It, it was more of a crowd control where they would throw objects at large numbers of enemy troops okay, to yeah. disperse. I yeah. love when we learn from our students. Right? They, yeah. they let us know. Well, they will let you know. They will let you. Actually, a catapult is what was used to destroy castle walls. A trebuchet was used against armies, sir. Okay, great. Thank you very much for giving me my lesson. I will let other people know that you did that. Um, but yeah, it's like making them, how we're going to make them. And, and they have all the pieces there, but then they have to figure out how to put, the little, put everything together. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, okay, well, how are we going to test it? Where are we going to, what are we going to do? What do the prototypes look like? How right. do we do that? And, and then, and then, like you can again talk about interdisciplinary, right? Mm-hmm. Connect it to our writing, right? But then, what what's the report looking like? What's the right. narrative that based on why are we creating right. this or how are we creating this? Right. For that. And so we built with a learning objective of statistics and probability. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's there, you're yeah. throwing these things right, and you know if you have a cup over there, can you get a rock to land in the cup, mm-hmm. or can you get it to hit the cup? Anything like that. And then what's the probability? What is statistics? Charting it all down doing the percentages and everything. So that's the learning objective. But now we're throwing things, that we're throwing rocks in the classroom, which is fun. Yeah. Um, and then also the green school value, we pull from I respect. Each one of those 
is an acronym. It's an acronym, of course, and we love our acronyms. Yeah, future acronyms yeah. always. Every and day. so, like the I for I respect is integrity. Mm-hmm. So it's teaching them how to do the right thing even when no one's looking. And so we make sure that that goes in there. Because it's not about, okay, you could do statistics, great. You go on to the next level. It's, can you think? Can you adapt? Can you communicate? That's one of the green school skills, communicate. Mm-hmm. Can you do that? A lot of people can't. Yeah. And so we're teaching these things, all worked in, and that's how you really become much a, a much better teacher a lot of really good teachers in the public schools they're doing these things yeah. but they're overworked mm-hmm. and they have crazy class sizes and they get no recognition and that's a shame like can you dive into that more like what are like so you're saying we're overworked and all these things can you like what is your experience like and what, what would you say that would be like the necessary levels for all of that um, listening to just what teachers say from the states, yeah. like their workload hours and their take home and all of those things. I don't, I can't give you all of those numbers, but I know it's a lot. Oh yeah. Here, for one, middle school, um, we don't give tests, so there are no no testing in the middle school. And I know we're not the only place that does that, but that's something that. We make the sure. Norm, for sure. We're definitely against yeah. the American norm. And a lot of parents have difficulty with that at first, but the kids love it. They're like, oh, yay, no tests. No end of the year, no end of grade, no growth tests, none of that stuff. I don't give my students tests. And they love don't it. even have grades, right? They, right, they don't have grades. Yeah. We don't give them A's, B's. We don't give them smiley faces, frowns. We don't give them grades. Yeah. No grades, no tests. I'm not the biggest giver of homework. Because we're doing everything right here in class. When we're done with this, go live your life. Go do something else. Go outside. Go surf when you leave class because we're on an island and you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, for me, um, my work schedule is maybe, what, 18 hours a week, I believe. Something to that. I think it's, or, yeah, I think it's something like that. It's about half of not uh, more than half normal load right and I have time for me which allows me to prepare and plan for other things other classes or I can reflect back on what I did what worked and what didn't work I can Mm -hmm. change things up and then it allows me to just enjoy myself and when you're enjoying yourself it just it's a ripple effect right right because then I have all this time to sit back and say, this is going to be really cool. I'm going to take it to class and mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Because, it, you know, when you're a teacher, you get to be a nerd about the things that you mm-hmm. enjoy doing. And then you're surrounded by a bunch of other kids who feel it. Yes. Kids know when you mm-hmm. are enjoying what you do. They That's know it. So, so on point. Right. You can try to fake it all you want. They see right through you. Mm-hmm. And then they respond. And that's, that's one of the things that I can say at this school. We've got some teachers who, you know, I'm kind of a disciplinarian. I am. The, the kids are like, oh, no, don't. Don't do that. He's going to get you. But they understand it and they, they get these boundaries because a lot of these kids, that's what they want. Yeah. It's, and, it's important. They need that. Yeah. 
and they, they know. They come into my classroom, and if they want to borrow a pencil, I look at them, and they're like, ah. And they, they either give me their shoes, or they give me something of value. Mm-hmm. I'm like, for a pencil? Listen, you didn't bring your pencil. All right? But you got them pretty new shoes on. You can get new shoes, but you can't get a pencil? Give me your shoes. I'll give you a pencil. Because you're going to come back to get these shoes. Mm-hmm. That way, I'll get my pencil back. And then you're teaching them values as well. Exactly. Yeah. Teaching them, you know, responsibility. Because you have to take care of my stuff. I'm taking care of yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the questions that I, I ask my students when they're acting up in the classroom, I say, when's the last time I gave you a test in my class? Have I ever given you a test? They say, no. I say, so why are you testing me? And they're like, Oh, you got me. I was, oh. That was a good one. Yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> oh, man. I love this. I think like we can definitely pull so much of you know what we've talked about and how we can really improve our classes. And I think just kind of like just thinking, wrapping things up a little bit, it's like what would you really advocate for if you could have your own school? Because, I mean, would you want to just do another green school like you have already? Or what would be like the accumulation of all the ideas that you have to create this like perfect school, perfect school system or you know, For improvements me, in education? It would, it would definitely be something that I would want it to be different. Yeah. Depending on where it is. Mm-hmm. Because different areas have different problems. Yes. The, 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 the way that I would teach over here, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, has to be different from the way I teach over there. You cannot have a standardized form of teaching mm-hmm. because there is not a standardized form of living. And, and in order for us to actually make a change, we have to be dynamic yeah. uh, in a massive way. Shout out to Fringe, massive dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> and, but yeah. It's like also then a restructuring of how we teach teachers then. It is. It yeah. is. Um, and how we hire teachers. My wife them. has this amazing idea that I can't share with anybody. Ah, I have like uh, Esther then about this. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Basically, it's yeah. it's like, okay, like Grey's Anatomy. We won't tell anybody. Right. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. They're, they're not going to listen. This far into the podcast? Yeah. So, yeah, it, like training, man, just training. You go in and you work with established Teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't we have more of that? Right. Because we don't think. We think we know, but like, what was it? What was my man's name? Donald Rumsfeld? There are known knowns and there are unknown unknowns and <laughs> and we don't we don't even know that we don't know. Mm-hmm. We really don't. And you have to step out. There are some people who are there and they know these things. They have the capabilities of seeing it right then and there. I'm the kind of person I had to step out. Yeah. I had to go away from America. I had to de-stress, get that off of my back, and then turn around and look back at it and go, oh, this is what's been missing all along. Mm-hmm. And then just seeing like if we had more opportunities so that teachers could have could help in the ownership because students need ownership of their education Mm -hmm. because otherwise they don't they don't respect it and so that's something that I would definitely want in a school if I was to 
do that, if I were to take on that step, is to make sure that you are solving problems that fit that particular community. And if you've met a lot of those problems, then you're pushing the boundaries of what you can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are kids who want to go into astrophysics and they are amazed at stars. And so then we would not only be going on field trips to observatories, but we would be looking at how do we build smaller ones? How do we build, let's build a telescope. Yes. Because right, we're, we're not struggling for resources and we have some things pretty much figured out. So now let's do this. Let's, you know what, let's do a ceramics thing. This school is great for ceramics and yeah, that school really. over there is great at producing whatever mm-hmm. it is. Let's collaborate. Right. The, in that collaboration, then you can have these things where you're putting on showcase fairs and, and you're inviting other schools and you're going because you're no longer tied to the old systems. But it takes... I don't know what it'll take because there's, America runs on so much politics that... It's so entrenched in right. these old ways of thinking. And we don't have any autonomy. Yeah. And we need that. I love that. I think and it's the ownership for all stakeholders and... In, in place, right? yeah. giving the ownership for students to be empowered and ask them, right, what do you want to learn? Right. Giving teachers the ability to control their own curriculum, the autonomy to be able to do their own thing, and the power for leadership, right, giving, right. And putting them on the board, putting them in positions of, of leadership. I think I was in Finland, and the teachers create the curriculum, right, for, they create the textbooks. And yeah. it just, it just, duh. Right. Yeah, of course, right. that's what should like, be done. The teachers are making the books? <laughs> what? The people who've read them? What? Get out. No. And yeah, I think it's like, it, again, it's that light bulb moment of, you need, you need, we need to step back a little bit and really reflect on, on what's going on. I think, I mean, not to bring him into this, but the $2 tr- trillion spent on the military, and then, oh, we want to only spend 80 billion on our our education system okay let's there's a it's almost like the only the way to work around that is you have to have a militaristic view on education where it's like okay if you're going to spend this much money on military then you need people who know how to use those things Mm -hmm. and so then you find ways of getting like rooting into that system Mm -hmm. to then like you're masking yourself to say oh it's for military. This is a military uh-huh. endeavor. And then you start getting military money because, like, example. I mean, if you want scientists. Right. You, your scientists need to know how to treat certain things. Mm-hmm. So, well, in, the, in my classroom, mm-hmm. we're conducting experiments to see how to clean nuclear-damaged areas. Because if you're going to have the, these capabilities, you need to know how to make them viable again. And in order to do that, government, military, give us money. That way then you will also then have these understandings. So that is kind of like... There's a TV show back when I was a kid called Spin City. Okay. And Michael J. Fox was on it. And I think pretty much the premise of the whole show was there was a mayor or city hall and they had to like 
it was like you have to spin things. You have to uh, try to figure it, out. figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we would need spin doctors working to get grant money from the government through the military industrial complex to get into the schools, to push it up under a guise. That way, the public school system actually can grow. Mm-hmm. But that would, that's like the only way that I can right now think of how to do it, to get that money to funnel in because everything is military. Everything. Like, why? Like, all that money spent Green in the military, power. right? Yeah. And nobody's coming at America to attack. And the reason people say, well, you're doggone right because we've got the greatest military on planet Earth. Okay, so why are we still pushing all of this money into it? Nobody's going to... We spend more than the next 20 countries combined. Right. And 19 of them are our allies. Right, so it's like, what, so what are we doing? Mm-hmm. What are we really doing? We're playing the weirdest game of Catan. <laughs> <laughs> we play some good games. We yeah. play some good games. Uh, but uh, I think we need to get out of, the, out of that game and focus on the, yeah. another great game of life. And the important part in order to start strong in life, we need to have a strong education piece. Actually, I don't know if education or schooling was on that board game. It is in that board it's game. That board game. You can do while. that, but you end up in debt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> too real. So it's, too yeah, real. it's too real. It's too real. But and that's another thing. There's so many countries around the world that look at us like we're yeah. so weird. Like, why are all of you in debt? But I mean, that's a totally different conversation about slavery that we could have. Mm-hmm. You know, the system. Yeah. because it, it, that is essentially what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the indentured servitude was about the fact that you owe people money. Mm-hmm. And indentured servitude by any other name is slavery. You just yeah. have, you have a stipulation to get out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, but now you have nine credit cards. You've got two mortgages and you're upside down. You're double upside down because you took the car Traded in, then you owe money on. Then you took that car that you owe money on, owe money on, and turned that one in to get a new car because they used to sell cars and people do these sorts of things. You're upside down in your car. You got two mortgages on your house. And you got a couple maxed out credit cards. Like the fact that you could buy a car is even amazing. You know, like who's loaning you you that money? Well, as long as they keep you under thumb, you're keep there. You the and that is education. Yeah. You're not educated. You don't know what. Taxes are, you don't know how to borrow money, you don't understand debt, you don't know what a principle is, and that's because all you know how to do is say, well, that's a square. It doesn't doesn't do anything. This is the bubble I'm supposed to fill in. Right. Right. It's a standard, standardized testing. I took the SAT. I did it. I did the thing. I checked that box. Right. But not giving them the ability to be able to think for themselves. Think, think critically. These, yeah. And these higher level, you know, this is, these are complex, real life situations. Yep. And if we're not going to give them the, the skills to really problem solve and be able to, you know, understand and break down how to figure out these complex situations, then, then they're going to be trapped. You know what it is? I think I hit it. I think I figured it out too. In America, one of the reasons that we're so slow going in these things is our pride. Mm-hmm. 
Because we're proud to be Americans. Definitely. Definitely. And we don't want to change because we're the greatest. We did it. We rebelled against the great British Empire and we want our freedom from a centralized banking system. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, have we slipped back? Okay, so I mean, we may have created another centralized banking system that we are now tied in with uh-huh. the Great British Empire again. But, but, but these colors the don't run. We have the Constitution. We have the Constitution, that's right, which was written by rich landowners that serve Slave rich landowners. Yeah. Oh, okay, but, but. Declaration of Independence. Declaration of Independence. Oh, but same, same situation. Of it was written on hemp. We got something going for us. We got something. We got something. Yeah. And, yeah, so that's that's where... It's that's, the pride, though. Yeah, it's I the think. pride. It's the pride. And because ego. if you go into a school mm-hmm. and you have these things, and in order to make it work, you need collaboration through other teachers. Yes. And other teachers are going to have a lot of pride, and they're not going to want to work with somebody who comes with... Hippie. Not yeah. going to want to work with them. Her. I think even just within a, Z. within a school, not even someone coming from outside... Right, there is so much pride about your own resources, yeah. your, what you're doing in the classroom, that you, you close off. Right. I created this. I this is mine. This. Yeah. And then we, we lose that connection, that collaboration, the ability to grow just because you right, are so prideful about what you've, you've been able to do. Yep. And I think that's, I think pride can be, you know, pride, I don't know who says it, but pride is the death of us all. Right. And yep. if we just hold on to our laurels, Whatever those may be, right? We're just gonna, I mean, continue down this spiral that we're that we're seeing right now. Definitely. It's uh, I think again, opening yourself. I think travel, getting out of your comfort zone, getting out of America, getting out of what you're used to, really allows you to open up an understanding of, oh, there's a multitude of possibilities and ways of thinking and ways of approaching different complex problems I don't have to just be doing the same way I've been thinking my whole life yeah, yeah. and I, I like I'm such an advocate for, for travel and, and talking to people and learning another language right like get out there and see what are other ways of doing things yep. like seasoning your popcorn with oh rosemary oh my goodness that was good <laughs> whoa rosemary sage and onion salt that was revolutionary. Don't forget the olive oil. Don't forget the olive oil. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, and you got to put that in, right. Mm-hmm. If you don't eat butter, yeah. olive oil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah I, I was a huge fan of that. I don't know, I'm there not you sure go. if I, uh, I probably ate about half that bowl. Yeah. I was just down in that. All right. And now you got something to take home with you. Oh, uh, yeah. Take home with nothing else from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> know that you can take home. A delicious popcorn recipe. Yes. Uh, all right, love. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. Thanks, man. All right, we're out. I am filled with so much love and energy and strategies to really go in and support our students and our schools. I want to shout out the ideas that Lo really brought up with the recognizing our teachers and really thanking them for the incredible work that they do day in and day out, especially 
during these times of distance learning. Another one is the focus on talking with our students and asking them what they want to learn. And one last point. 